lose everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It is All in Sports. Jake Seeley here at All in Kid. Uh, you probably know that if you're listening to this podcast. But hey, maybe you came in from the guest today. We'll bring here in a second. A fancy football season. NFL season. We're almost there. About two weeks away or so. And a lot of news to get to. But as a reminder, if you want help with your drafts, if you want rankings, projections, insight, deep dives, an article by today's guest, go to The Athletic at any article you choose and scroll to the bottom. It's 40% off the entire year. 36 bucks, $3 a month, uh, basically about three times what you're going to spend on that outdated magazine that you're going to run to your draft at the last minute with. But today's guest, as I said, is part of The Athletic, but he does a hell of a lot more. So I'm going to let him tell us everything about it. But so you know, it's Eric Moody at Eric N. Moody. Uh, N is for what, Eric? Nick, Nate, uh, nephew? What, what, what's, what's the N for? <laughs> <laughs> N is for Nicholas, uh, my middle name. Unfortunately, Eric Moody was already taken on Twitter. So I have to go <laughs> with my middle name on that, Jake. That's the story. I did guess it. Hey, look, that was one of my two guesses. I, although there's not a lot of N's that you could really go with name-wise, I would think. Yeah, no, you're right. I think it'll be kind of odd if it was like Nancy or Nicodemus <laughs> or something like that. But no, you're, you're right. I almost said Nicodemus. <laughs> Nicodemus, you're not a wee little man, Eric. That's not, that's definitely not for sure for all your Bible people out there that remember that rhyme. Eric, you're you're at the athletic, but also tell everybody everything else because it's not just the athletic. Yeah, so obviously doing a lot at the uh, athletic with uh, Mr. Seeley here, but I also write uh, quite a bit at uh, four for four and also at Fantasy Data. So a lot of insight, the uh, anatomy. And an analytical, analytical side of things. This is off to a smashing start. Nicodemus can't say analytical. It's all types of stuff over here. Um, but yeah, so make sure you check it out. As I mentioned, uh, Eric's got an article right up at the Athletic right now talking about backup running backs, which is some of what we're going to talk about today. But off the top, I have to talk about some of the bigger news. A few injuries starting to rack up, and you know, we see this every single year. Honestly, given what this offseason has been, it hasn't been as bad as we normally would see. But Let's talk running back first, Eric. And this one has a two-part question for you because one is, Kenyon Drake's in a boot. He says he's fine. Cliff Kingsbury says he's fine. Says it's precautionary. I don't remember the last time a boot was actually just precautionary, but they say it is. So your concern level when you hear Drake is in a boot, and then the second part of that, what was your feeling about Drake before the boot? Because there's a lot of people that think he could be top 10. There's a lot of people that are hesitant about his usage. Where were you on this? And I'm assuming for everybody out there, let's go check the article, check the link. Uh, Chase Edmonds might be intriguing given the situation. No, no, you're right about Chase Edmonds, and I'll kind of break it down to uh, to get to that. So, like, once the news broke on social media about Drake, you know, in a boot, you know, fantasy football Twitter went nuts. Uh, you know, from that moment – you know, with, with Cliff Kingsbury's comments, you have to take it obviously with a grain of salt. He'll be ready for week one. But to your point, Jake, a, a boot is not a good thing. Um, I believe that Drake is a candidate to be a bust in 2020. Uh, he was the fourth best fantasy running back once the Dolphins traded him to the Cardinals last season. Drake's debut, or debut, excuse me, I can't speak, obviously, came in week nine. It's infectious. Uh, 
I, I know it. It must. It must be. And I, and I had some coffee before this. It's crazy. So uh, like with Drake, you know, he's he's a bus candidate. Uh, he was the RB four once the Dolphins traded him to the Cardinals last season. So his debut came in Week Nine. Uh, David Johnson, Chase Edmonds were inactive. So in that performance, I'm like he churned out like 162 total yards and a touchdown against the 49ers stout defense. I'm like he averaged nearly 20 PPR fantasy points from week nine to week 17. So we move on to the off season. Everyone's in love with Drake, right? So he signed a one year transition deal, which implies to me that the Cardinals aren't hundred percent invested in him. To your point, Jake, they do have Chase Edmonds on the roster. Who's performed well when given the opportunity uh, Kingsbury, you know, to tie it back to comments in the press, I mentioned that the Cardinals organization views him as a starting running back in this league. Now the Cardinals too also drafted Eno Benjamin in this year's draft. And, and that's a guy with a pretty impressive resume. You know, the first Arizona state player to have a thousand or more rushing yards in consecutive seasons since Freddie Williams in 1974 to 1975 had to use uh, you know, pro football reference for that one. You know, Benjamin finished his career, at the university ranked in the top 10 in rushing yards, touchdowns, attempts, and 100-yard gains. Now, the Cardinals do have a very difficult schedule when you look at 4 for 4 schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. When you combine all these factors to kind of bring all that together for the listeners with Arizona's schedule, I think Drake could be a bust in 2020. Just to give some advice, I'd rather use the early-round draft pick on another player besides Drake and then target Edmonds or Benjamin later in your draft. And I, I certainly agree. My biggest concern the entire time for the Drake of, I didn't even like him being an RB one of my projections, uh, mostly because of the game log is, you know, the, you know, this, you're just talking about those three games accounted for like 60% of his fantasy volume. Yeah. Uh, very, very much like the bad Deshaun Jackson. I'm not even talking about the good Deshaun Jackson. I was talking about the bad Deshaun Jackson. It was like, Hey, what good four or five games is he going to have this year? So I'm definitely with you. Uh, the sad thing is, is like for us, like the ones that we're getting Chase Edmonds almost free is like this kind of ruins that value. So I'm going to go to another one, which ruins a value in my opinion, because I have been saying, even if you want to discount Keenan Allen, like the, the hate has gone too far. If you want to discount Hunter Henry, the hate's gone too far. Tyra Taylor was quite good with Sammy Watkins. Uh, or I should say Sammy Watkins was quite good with Tyra Taylor. You could also look at Charles Clay, was a borderline tight end one for those two seasons. And that was with missing games. And that was with still, you know, not putting up a giant touchdown number or anything like that. So I'll say, you know what, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, I keep getting them on a lot of teams. But now the news is that Mike Williams is out, uh, possibly going to miss week one, which, you know, people are saying, well, that, that, who steps up? Is it Reed? Uh, is it Guyton, who they were talking about getting some speed on the field last week? I say this, Eric, I say it doesn't. It just, it goes back to just put, Keenan Allen higher, put Hunter Henry higher, and even boost Austin Eckler a little bit. Don't try to figure out the stuff that doesn't matter because the number two wide receiver doesn't matter. If anything, this just makes me feel better and kind of mad that now I don't get discount Keenan Allen anymore. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, Jake. Uh, given that news uh, today with Mike Williams, um, like it does kind of bump Keenan Allen up because this is the type of offense, and then your point with Tyrod Taylor quarterback, they can really only support like one kind of fantasy receiver. Now, Joe Reed, you know, is intriguing, you know, just given his collegiate body of work, but I'm with you. I would rather just uh, target Allen, but it, it may kind of take some of the sheen off of kind of having some of that ADP discount removed. What are you when it comes down to Hunter Henry? Do you think he deserves to be in that second tier again, like last year, where a lot of people consider him a bust because he he was a tight end one, but he wasn't 
what everybody was doing and drafting like the sixth round. Do you think he deserves to be back there this year after missing a few games? Like, like the talent is still there, in my opinion. Or do you think he should be in that next group because of the risk with Taylor baked in? Yeah, just just given how desolate like the tight end landscape is, like it's eerily similar to like Mad Max Fury Road out there. When you, you know, you move past like the Mark Andrews, the Kelsey's, you know, the Zach Ertz of the world. So I'm fine with keeping him in that tier. I just rather wait to target the tight end position later to try to find a breakout candidate that could become like the next Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. So I'm fine with it. I just don't think there's a lot of opportunity there for him. All right. How about more injury news? Uh, this one's positive. AJ Green's back on the field. Uh, AJ Green, look, we haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> you know this, Eric. Everybody knows this. Uh, it, it's kind of it's a tough situation. It's not only having not seen him in a while. He comes to a new offense from the last time he essentially was playing. Uh, we don't know exactly how things are going to shake out. We do know there's a rookie quarterback in the name of Joe Burrow who just set records atop of records atop of records at LSU. He's not with Joe Brady anymore. This is a different offense. But A.J. Green, still, when he played, was one of the arguably, talent-wise, top five receiver in the NFL. Now, whether he would rank top five today, obviously a big question. But you'd probably say, if we knew, if I told you, Eric, A.J. Green is 100% what he used to be, I would say we would still put him in a top 15. But I would say, let's not go that far. That's hard to ask for anybody, especially at his age. If A.J. Green is 90%, he's back on the field with Joe Burr in this offense, have you been getting A.J. Green on your teams? Do you want him if you get him as a wide receiver three? Or are you willing to go as high as a wide receiver two? Or are you just completely out on him because at this point of his career, the injury risk, the age, having spent so much time off the field, new offense, is this just a fade, a complete fade for you? Yeah, I would say A.J. Green is not a complete fade for me. I, I do prefer to target him at his ADP or depending on how the draft goes to get him a round or two later. Uh, to, to your point earlier with the question, I'm like, it is positive that he's back on the field. But, you know, any any type of injury news with him is a legitimate concern, you know, considering he's missed 23 out of the last 32 games, like with injuries. But with Green, it really comes down to, if you were telling me, Jake, that he was at 90%, like you're looking at a guy that's average, you know, nine targets, 5.4 receptions, 80 receiving yards, and a little bit over half a touchdown per game in his career. I, I just can't, I just can't let that slide. You know, I, I have to target him. Uh, so I am in on Green, but he's just not a player that I'm reaching for. That's certainly fair. All right, so if you thought that, hey, actually, here I'll I'll, pre I'll, I'll present it to you another way. Let's okay. say AJ yeah. Green is is not 100 percent, is not even 90 percent. Let's say AJ Green's done by week three. Are you in on Tyler Boyd? And after that, are you taking any flyers on John Ross, especially with T. Higgins being a rookie and he's been having troubles getting on the field? Or is it Tyler Boyd and that's it? I don't want anybody else. I mean, that could, that could be your answer. <laughs> yeah, I would say if I was Notre Dame and, and, and we knew, to, you know, with the point of the question, yeah, I would be uh, all in on Tyler Boyd. You know, I believe A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd, you know, can thrive uh, with Joe Burrow. You know, you got a number one overall pick that's there. You know, he's still on that high from his – phenomenal season at LSU and you got to think about what they were able to accomplish you know that receiving duo with Andy Dalton under center and you get a quarterback with the caliber of Burrow uh, and also you know they could find themselves in a number of shootouts just given Cincinnati's defense yeah I'd be all in on on Boyd but I wouldn't want to go any deeper with John Ross and some of the others on the roster I really like the fact that you just said you'd be all in and I don't even think it was intentional for the show I think you just did it and didn't even realize it. Hashtag all in on, uh, on Tyler Boyd. All right, so let's talk about another wide receiver. This one's less important. I don't even think that if we said Tyrell Williams, 
doesn't go in 90% of drafts and throw it at 90% for everybody. Uh, not really anyone in Vegas radar, not really an interest, although he did start off well last year and before the injury. But that's the thing is he is still hurt. He's actually reportedly playing through a torn or plans to play through a torn labrum. Uh, I already had Henry Ruggs as the number one. I already had Brian Edwards as surpassing Tyrell Williams a few games into the season. Now I think that is almost a certain to happen by week one. I like if Tyrell Williams didn't play this year, it wouldn't be a shock. Play through a torn labor for a wide receiver doesn't seem very optimistic, but that's not really what I want to focus on here is we have two rookies here, Eric. We have a rookie who some classify as a deep threat only and do so at the detriment of their own expense because, hey, guess what? Henry Ruggs is a hell of a lot more than just a deep threat. But you have Brian Edwards, who also dealt with injuries, and a lot of people say got overlooked for how good he was in college, partly because of who he played for with poor quarterback play, but also injury aside. Are you in on either? Are you in on Ruggs? Are you in on Brian Edwards? Are you in on both? Are you worried about Hunter Renfro? Like what, how, I guess the, the easiest way is saying the Las Vegas Raiders, how are you shaking out their wide receiver situation? Yeah, I, I'm all in on uh, Rugs and on Edwards. You know, I'll, I'll provide everyone a little bit of context on to, uh, I guess, the why. I'm like, Rugs, his body of work is is very well documented, you know, with what he was able to accomplish, uh, like in Alabama. I, I, I do believe that some people are underrating Rugs just because he only has had, you know, 86 receptions for nearly 1500 receiving yards over the past two seasons. But what I think is impressive is that he accomplished those numbers on an Alabama offense that featured like a plethora of standout receivers, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. And, and I'm a Bama guy and that's where I'm from originally. So I follow <laughs> that team very closely. And so I'm like, he is going to be phenomenal at the next level. And I do like the fact that they're, uh, going to start him off as the slot receiver uh, and, and, you know, really try to feed him the, the football, I would say. Because one thing with Derek Carr, uh, he really struggled throwing deep last year when they were supposed to have Antonio Brown as their number one. So you get rugs, who I like to call the discount uh, uh, Tyreek Hill, the discount Tyreek Hill. Great value Tyreek Hill, value Tyreek Hill, whatever you want to call him. You, you can come up with something. Um, <laughs> I would say that uh, another guy I do want to spend a little bit more time on is Brian Edwards. So I do like him quite a bit. He's kind of underneath the radar because they spent such high draft capital on rugs. But one thing with Edwards, for those that may not know, is that I'm like, he holds the University of South Carolina's record for most consecutive games with the reception. And then his career receptions and receiving yards rank third in school history. I'm like, he's a perfect complement, like with his frame and play style to rugs. So I think that dynamic duo is really going to wreak havoc for the Raiders offensively and on opposing defenses this season. So I really like both of those players. If you miss out on rugs, and I think Edwards is really readily available in drafts at his ADP. Yeah. And if you asked 100 people, I guarantee probably 99 of the 100 people couldn't name the quarterback or the running back or the other people on that offense at South Carolina. Oh, just yeah. To, to just put it in perspective, too. That's the other thing. Like, forget even forget the quarterback play. Part of what you're saying, too, is we're talking about to, to throw context out there for everybody because I, I am high on Brian Edwards, too. I mean, you're talking about the names like Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, the guys, CeeDee Lamb that went in the first round. Throw them on Toledo and like is like what the defenses are paying attention to because that's the, the, the thing that happened is Edwards was getting like defensive attention like a Julio Jones would, yet he still did that in the SEC. So I, I think that gets overlooked as well as it's not just who he played with. All right, so 
I would talk about your column on The Athletic. Uh, everybody wants to read the entire thing. You can definitely go over there. As I mentioned, pick any of the articles, including that one, and scroll to the bottom if you're not a subscriber. 40% off. Uh, not going to last much longer. Hey, beginning of the season. Hint, hint of when it's going to probably end. Uh, but you're talking about seven late-round running backs with clear pass to fantasy stardom if somebody gets hurt. Basically, handcuffs. But we kind of know, like, handcuff has gone away. Handcuff used to be huge, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago when running backs were so dominant. And it was such an NFL that the next man up was the next man up. It wasn't a split backfield to start and then a split backfield if somebody got hurt. So these are guys, and if you roll down the list of guys that, you know, look like they could be in that situation, you lead off with Tony Pollard. I only throw that one out there because I don't think anybody who plays fantasy football doesn't know about Tony Pollard. If you're new, you might not. Make sure you read about it. But out of the rest, out of Madison, I'll give you this group because I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's like a group with him and those those next three. I feel like Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Latavius Murray, and Chase Edmonds, I feel like those are quote-unquote like the, the big four true handcuffs going to step into about 20 touches per week. Am I right in assuming that when you, when you wrote this article? Yeah, no, that that's correct, Jake. Like you've got that, that upper or top tier where a lot of fantasy players are very familiar with those names. I would say for our conversation here, like I want to focus on, I would say one running back and one wide receiver that I believe are really being like undervalued, you know, by the fantasy community as a whole. Uh, you okay with that? Absolutely. Hey, look, hey, right. I, I, you know, I have you on. The, this is my show, but I definitely <laughs> want you to like give the input that you want to give. One hundred percent. Let's go. No, no, that's fine. Let's do it. Just hey, just always ask. So, um, <laughs> I would say Darrington Evans is a guy that I'm very, very intrigued by, and someone that I'm aggressively targeting in drafts. And I'm a he's the optimal complement like to Derrick Henry, but I, I think a lot of people will like look at. Like we're doing the photo test. You've got Derrick Henry, mountain of a man, and you've got Darrington Evans, who's not quite as bulky or big as Henry. Everyone gets where I'm going with this. And, and the perception is, oh, well, you know, he's just going to fill that Deion Lewis role. You know, he's just going to catch some passes and he's just going to do his thing. But he can do that, but he can do a lot more. I'm like, Evans is an explosive runner. I'm like, with 43 rushing attempts of 10 or more yards last season, according to Pro Football Focus. And I dove deeper with our pro football reference, too, on this. I'm like, Evan set records at Appalachian State for the most career rushing attempts without a fumble and single-season rushing attempts without a fumble. I'm like, he finished his collegiate career with a little bit over 4,600 all-purpose yards and scored 34 total touchdowns. Now, the perception is that the Titans cannot lean on Evans as the bell cow. I believe that's a mistake. And Mm -hmm. so out of that tier of um, kind of running back, you know, season changer, handcuff types that we mentioned, I think Evans is someone that you should also aggressively target as well. Now, on the wide receiver side of things, which is funny, I wrote an article about Randall Cobb uh, back in April. I think the the published date was April 15th, if my memory serves me right, with, uh, with four for four. And so he's another receiver that I'm aggressively targeting and recommend you do as well. Uh, he has a legitimate chance to lead the Texans in receptions and receiving yards uh, this season. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's tethered to a great quarterback, Deshaun Watson. But I think when you look at Will Fuller and, and Brandon Cooks, I'm like, Fuller, he's only been active for 42 games since 2016, thanks to various injuries. Cooks has now suffered five known concussions in his six-year career. If we were just looking at a last-man-standing scenario, I do believe it will be, it will be Cobb. 
and he's the cheapest out of the bunch. So I just recommend mm -hmm. that everyone get Cobb. Now, another name, I don't believe I mentioned this in the article, but I've written about him elsewhere, is uh, Isaiah Coulter. You know, he's someone else that I'm very high on. Stop very, very, my guys. <laughs> very late in drafts. <laughs> okay like, just stop <laughs> he's like stop it moody stop no, no no you can go go ahead go like hey i'm so it's funny because i've written about cobb and coulter quite a bit uh, actually uh -huh. so even if even if fuller i keep joking about it i keep saying if i told you fuller and cooks over under combined 24 and a half games i was like what would you take and most people are like uh, i think i have to take the under and even if so even if it hits the over i'm with you in the fact that i still think cobb could be the leading receiver reception wise on this team this is the this is a role that watson likes there's a reason kiki qt was a thing for a while that's yeah. Watson. watson needs that role and the, here's where i agree with you and I, it's like i'm not saying you left it out it's like you didn't know this but i think like this is important for everybody is oh, yeah, cobb fills a role that the other three don't no matter if fuller cooks and stills all stay healthy none of them are Cobb. None of them are that role in this offense. And that's why I'm 100% with you. But mention Colt. Go on. I I've already, already said enough about Coulter that I'm glad somebody else finally brought him up. So go ahead. No, it's just really with, with his role. I'm like, it's it, and like all, all, all these players are talented. I'm like, we can, we can pick out, you know, all these different advanced metrics. This guy is better than the other. You know, with, with my style, it's you got to play the piano with both hands. You know, I, I love to watch film and break break guys down, but also to try to tie it to the advanced metrics. And so with Coulter, it's really just, you know, he's a talented guy. You know, he was selected by the Texans. And if Stills goes down or is released, who knows what will happen with him. If something happens to Fuller or, or Cooks, I'm like, he is going to inherit, you know, some opportunities. And with the quarterback that – that's uh, throwing him balls. I'm like, he's going to be in a position to thrive. That that's it's really that simple for me. Yeah, I, I, and I'm really with you. Like, I thought Coulter was a steal to draft, and yeah. I think that if you're in dynasty, like, like he might not be relevant if everybody somehow stays. Even if if everybody but one person stays healthy, it probably doesn't get worked in too much to start this year. But as somebody to watch for the future, especially because of contracts on this team and opportunities and everything like that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his. There's actually, so why well, I keep saying, you know, go check out the articles, get 40% off and all that type of stuff, do it. But if you're in any industry draft or somebody that I know, don't, don't read his article because uh, Eric's mentioning too many people that I like. And you know, like that just shows what kind of good, great mind he has. But stop mentioning all my guys. I, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I want to do a little segment here. Uh, this is because, look, we it, it's funny, Eric, and I'm sure you understand this. Everybody out there understands this. I actually talked about it a lot last week's pod is, we always say ignore the preseason talk, the hype, the the highlight real catches. And, you know, there's I mean, how many times do we have to watch this that people get overblown from one? I mean, here's a perfect example is let's talk about Darrington Evans, who I'm sure you remember last week. Oh, he's fumbling all the time in the first practice. Things are not looking good for him this year. The very next day, breaking off explosive runs. He's really looking great. But like, stop, just stop, people. But. Sometimes, and especially this season, some things do matter. And this year, the only thing we have to go off of, because there is no preseason, are reports and news and beat writers. So I'm going to give you a quick list, six things, and I want to ask, do you care? You can say, does it matter at all to me? Could say, it's really moving the needle. You can play the in-between game, Eric, but that's really what I want. I want to know what you yep. think when you heard these things. So the first, let's go up to New Jersey, New York, and the Giants. 
there's a lot, there's two things to look at here is one is, and I'm looping this into the question because this isn't the, do you care? This is just your thoughts when it comes to it. There's been a lot of people that say, yeah, Daniel Jones could be great for fantasy, but have you seen the beginning of their schedule? Yeah. I like their receivers, but have you seen the beginning of their schedule? So that's a side question to this. This, uh, the report that we got, Eric was Daniel Jones arm looks great, which the thing about Daniel Jones coming out of college that people don't remember, he was great in the short to intermediate routes, but struggled the deep ball. So hearing this report, does it move the needle for you? Do you feel good about it? Or does the schedule come into play as well? And you're just kind of hesitant on the entire Giants offense. Yeah. You know, I, I don't care that his arm is quote unquote impressive. Um, I, I will tell you uh, what I do care about. I'm like, he worked with his former college coach, you know, David Cutcliffe uh, this off season. He has a reputation of being a QB whisperer. That, that's a good thing. You know, I, I do care that Jones held players only throwing sessions down here in Texas. And he's a nice value as a QB 15, you know, according to fantasy football calculator. But the reality is, and this kind of goes just kind of the, the mindset. It's like, we're, we're so conditioned to kind of look like in the rear view mirror. I kind of use this analogy often. We're not going to drive the car, by looking in the rear view mirror, we're going to look straight ahead. And I think a player's progression from, one season to the next is important, even more so for rookie players. And so uh, you don't necessarily care that his arms imp is impressive, but I do care about some of the other things that he's done. And I think he's going to be a nice value this year. Okay, fair enough. All right, next one for you. And this comes to your article because you mentioned the second player. So, and look, hey, I'm not saying we can't change opinions. So this is one where this is going to be straight up, hey, does this change your opinion? Because you saw the second player in your article is the fact of, Mike Davis looks explosive and like he might be the backup, not Bonifon behind Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I would say uh, I, I do care. I'm still higher on Bonifon, but I do care because of Christian McCaffrey's workload. Like he finished last season ranked first among running backs with an opportunity share of 91.5%. I just do believe that Bonifon is the, is the better option. I kind of break down in the article on, uh, on why, but I really think it comes down to his, uh, his background. Uh, he's played a lot of different positions in, in college, very versatile, you know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. And so those things translate very well to a player like Christian McCaffrey, you know, that can essentially line up anywhere on the field. And so that's why I believe that Bonifant's skill set is better suited for that type of role. Like, seriously, can we imagine like Mike Davis doing some of the things that Christian McCaffrey's done? I don't think anybody. I, I really, I really can't. So it, it's a cute, it's a cute headline to get people's wheels turning. But I, I do believe that Bonifant's still the guy. Fair enough. All right, next one. Van Jefferson is impressing and quote can play anywhere. Uh, I'm actually going to jump the gun and I'm going to input first for you, Eric. This, I would say, if I did a scale of one to ten. And I'm going to completely straddle the fence. This is like a five to me. As in, it's not irrelevant, but it's not enough to just kick aside the talent that's Josh Reynolds. The one thing, the, the, the most important part, Eric, in my opinion, is the second half of it, is can play anywhere. Because I already had a bit of hesitancy about Cooper Cup getting pulled off the field so much towards the end. Now, I say so much. He used to run out there 90%, 90%, 90% every single week. Towards the last four or five games, it was 60, 70, 80, 60. There was like, I think, a 57 in there. So hearing that he can go anywhere, that being Van Jefferson, just slightly, I guess, like I said, 50% moves the needle for me. What about you? 
Yeah, I would say I care. And you and you mentioned something uh, that really resonated with me that can play anywhere. You know, I do care quite a bit. I'm like the, the Rams selected Jefferson, you know, number 57 overall in this year's draft. And, and to me, that really spoke volumes. I know a lot of the attention was on Cam Akers, but I was, you know, I was kind of nodding like Henry Cavill from The Witcher, like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, like that move. And, uh, you know, I believe like he opens the season as the Rams, like number three receiver over Josh Reynolds. When you look at Jefferson on film, like his skill set is essentially Cooper Cup and Robert Woods rolled into one. Like he's a great route runner and has very good hands. Now, if Cup or Woods were to miss time, Jefferson would be really in a great position to take on those additional targets and opportunities. And uh, he's a great player to target like in Dynasty. Uh, One thing that's interesting, I'm like Cup and Reynolds will be testing the free agent waters in 2021. I'd be really surprised to see the Rams provide Cup a monster contract considering the other receivers that they currently have on the roster. So I'm really all in on, uh, again, I I did it again, Jake, on uh, Van Jefferson. (laughs) I think we need a counter over here. Like how many times? Yeah, yeah, Sean McVay kind of feels when it comes to like wide receivers, he feels like Shanahan to me is like, hey, he knows he can make them all good. So he's never going to overpay for one. That's that's Mm -hmm. at least my kind of feeling. All right. Here's the next one. Uh, this is kind of a combination of your opinion of the player as a whole because he's a rookie, and then if this news moves the needle for you. Chase Claypool doesn't look like a rookie, according to reports. Actually, according to Mark Caboli of The Athletic, our very own. Mm-hmm. For this one, I, I do care, uh, really for two reasons. The first reason is that uh, his development – provides the Steelers with another receiver, you know, who can line up on the outside, which would enable Juju Smith-Schuster to thrive from the slot. Just as a general reminder, I'm like, Juju led all receivers with slot targets, you know, back in 2018. He also ranked second in receptions and receiving yards from the slot. I'll say the second reason is that it makes uh, Claypool an even viable target later in fantasy drafts when you look at his ADP as an alternative to Deontay Johnson, whose ADP has gotten out of control like the, like the blob. It just keeps adding on and adding on for where you're looking at his ADP, and it's like it is no way and you know what that I, I'm going to use that draft capital on Deontay Johnson right there. Um, one thing with Claypool, I'm like, where he could thrive, I'm like, he's catching balls from, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. I'm like, this is a guy that left Notre Dame seventh in career receptions, you know, with 150. I'm like, those 13 touchdowns that Claypool scored last season were like the sixth most in the season by an Irish player. So I, I, I do care about that news. And uh, with, with this weird offseason and without having like preseason games or uh, or any of that kind of news flow that we've had, I think that's a really, really good sign uh, for Claypool. Okay, two more for you. This one we've seen, or this player we've actually seen. So O.J. Howard, which he, we know the frustrations of people who drafted him in that second tier of tight ends last year. O.J. Howard reportedly looks like he did two years ago. Eric, get that excitement back. But that Rob Gronkowski guy there is there too. So, But they're going to run a lot of 12. Uh, like, I guess the bigger question here is maybe not even so much you put into this single report about O.J. Howard is how are you sifting through the Buccaneers passing game news this offseason? It's funny. I, I I remember this one where he's saying he looks like you know two you know how he did two years ago. I just I just really really don't care. Like to your point, Jake. I'm like he's he's competing for targets with Rob Gronkowski. You know Tom Brady's bosom buddy, uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. All three of those players have commanded a very high target share, and so you really can't make much out of like scraps. 
Uh, Howard would be more relevant, like if Gronkowski, you know, did miss time. As far as like your your question about the passing game as a whole, uh, you know, for me, obviously, uh, Godwin and, and Ed, Evans are going to be kind of at the top. I think Evans is really being like underrated. Everyone's kind of focused on Godwin because of his ability to run routes from the slot, but. You know, Brady's obviously talented enough. You know, if you're open, he's going to feed you the football. It just so happened that a high number of his slot receivers when he was in New England New England, were open. And so that's kind of where that perception came from. But I don't want to go too down the rabbit hole on that. So that's how I would look at the pecking order. You've got Godwin and Evans, and you've got Gronk that's there. But I just don't think that Gronk's going to be on the field as much as, as some anticipate. So Howard will, will play a role, but he's just not in line for a significant target share, in my opinion. No, I, and I'm actually kind of glad you said that because, yeah, that uh, that non-slot running Randy Moss guy really sucked when he played for Brady, you know. That, that I know, was, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, guy was, was trash. He was garbage. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, people forget that. It's just, again, you know, we're driving with the rearview mirror thinking of, of Julian Edelman, and Chris Godwin is definitely more athletically gifted than Julian Edelman. No offense to him, but, you know, Godwin is just insane. Yes. All right, so last one, and this one – I, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to be close or maybe uh, on the same page. I'll give you a sneak preview is this one is a zero for me on a one to 10. Like, so <laughs> not even the one, this is a zero. This is a, I roll my eyes emoji and let's talk about it next year. Gabriel Davis routinely stood out for the bill so far through practice for two weeks. Uh, this is why it's a zero for me, Eric, uh, because that Stefan Diggs guy is now there. John Brown is the number two. Even if we get past them, you have Cole Beasley as the number three who needs to be unseated by Gabriel Davis. Like, like, and even if so, I don't even care about the number three wide receiver playing for Josh Allen. Am I nuts or like, should we care about this? No, you, you're not nuts. Uh, you're, you're not crazy at all. Uh, I, I agree with all the points that you mentioned. I was kind of alluding, alluding to that in my comments. But the, the first thought uh, that I had when it was like Gabriel Davis, uh, and I'll kind of do a little pop culture reference here. I was thinking, who? And it was, it was like <laughs> off of Big Trouble in Little China. It's like, you know what old Jack Burton used to always say at a time like this? And the guy's like, who? Jack Burton, <laughs> me. My thoughts exactly of Gabriel Davis. I think we're a year too early on him, but to your point, which is the key point is that it's going to be difficult for Josh Allen at this stage of his career to support, to support, excuse me, multiple fantasy receivers. Yeah. It's, I don't get the guy through for 3000 yards and 20 touchdowns. Like even if he sees a 20% increase, are we still talking about the third wide receiver? Probably not, especially with Diggs no. now there. All right. Before you get out of here, uh, this is something that my friend Greg Sussman uh, convinced me to do. And he actually gave me a lot of questions for this one is because it's something I'm sure you've heard is because when we talk about rookie running backs, a lot of times if we start listing them off by last name, the order they usually fall in ends up being Taylor Swift. And that's the running joke is it's now Taylor Swift and there's now Taylor Swift team names. And everybody's like, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift. And she's probably getting so many tweets this offseason. I actually wish like I could like meet Taylor Swift for a day. Nothing to do with her music. Just to be like, hey, do you get do you see a bunch of tweets and you're, you're like you're going through like what the hell are these people talking about? So <laughs> I now have a Taylor Swift segment. And we've been going through different song titles. Uh, this week, you get the We Are Never Getting Back Together slash Bad Blood. Uh, so you get the We Are Never, Never, Never Getting Back Together. Yeah, you get that one. And oh, yeah. what the theme is, um, I can't believe I know this. I, I know these songs because of my niece. My niece grew up loving Taylor Swift. She actually has vinyls of Taylor Swift. She's like a, she's an 80-year-old woman in a 13-year-old kid's body. She's like into vinyls and crap. But anyway, <laughs> so I want to know Eric. and. 
you know, I, I'm, I, I, I understand that you probably have the same thought I do in the fact that you never want to truly write off a player, but we can still never want to do that because they always come at some cost where it makes sense. But we can write somebody off where we know we're never getting them because we pushed them down so far that that cost never happens. So I want to know the one player that's either burned you or just was somebody you thought would be special and hasn't done it yet, like Corey Davis. Like, is there a player that you're never getting back together with that you have so much bad blood with that he's basically off your list? For me, it's Brandon Cooks. He never truly delivers on his potential. And I would say drafting Cooks is the equivalent of eating a dozen of hot Krispy Kreme donuts in a little under an hour. They taste so good, but you immediately regret the decision, and your stomach does too. <laughs> really? Even with his 1,000-yard season, like when he was with the Patriots and the Rams, is the inconsistency, I'm guessing, is that sickness that you have afterwards? Yeah, it's really the it's really the inconsistency because you you, you kind of take those seasons as like a tease and you're like, man, is it in the realm of possibilities for this guy to you know to kind of finish as like a top five guy? It's like it's like the expectations always end up being like greater than 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 what they what they are. And over the recent years, you know, with the concussion history and things, it's just like he's just a guy that I, I'm just going to stiff arm away from if if I'm in the draft. <laughs> Hey, that's certainly fair. The, in his best seasons, there was, I think he averaged like four or five single-digit performances a year. So he basically was like the two years of really good Deshaun Jackson. As you saw that. And then last year, it was just, it went to hell, uh, oh, even without yeah. the concussions. I mean, he didn't score double digits. Weeks four through, well, four was, he did. And then weeks five through 15 until week 16 against San Francisco, thanks to a touchdown with only 39 yards, single digits. And of course, the concussions. All right, so Brandon Cooks, Sorry, uh, Eric is telling you there's bad blood. You're never getting back together. You, he's off your list. But if you don't want to be that kind of guy and be smart or a person, you know, hopefully I have a few, few females listening to this. What do you need more females in fantasy football, let alone listening to like fantasy football podcasts? Share it with your friends. Share it with everybody. Get them involved. Uh, but make sure you're following Eric Moody at Eric N. Moody uh, for, what would we say, Nicodemus is your new middle name? Is that what we said? Yeah, we can go either go that or, uh, or Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah. something that's something that popped into my mind throughout the show. You know, wh whatever, you know, when you call me, that's fine. Uh, how many Bible end names can we come out with over here? <laughs> and it was like the only two. Like I can, now you got me trying to think of an, another one. I mean, like Nicholas doesn't count, obviously, but like I'm trying to think if there's any more. I'm not going to look it up after this podcast. I'm going to start tweeting out like Bible end names. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> check out his article. Uh, it's at The Athletic right now. Like I said, it's the seven backup running backs, but he also goes on a list that I say, he like you're not even on the show right now eric but the wide receivers at the end <laughs> mentions too many guys i like uh eric i appreciate it and we're gonna be doing a podcast starting in two weeks well the podcast is already going eric's out there with nando defino and then once the season gets here i'll be on that show on thursdays as well so make sure you check that out too right eric oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah looking forward to it uh jake so i'll just kind of give a, a quick uh, plug on some things so i just encourage everyone you know to, to check out my uh running back tiers and wide receiver tier articles over at the athletic uh both of those articles are each i think around like five thousand plus words of statistical goodness to help you navigate drafts this summer also another article is the ultimate draft guide over at the athletic now that one's about eight thousand words that identifies yeah, you, top you went, players you, you can target <laughs> yeah yeah i did i was just on a roll and i and i just i just kept going and uh it really outlines like players you can target no matter what pick that you have and you can also check out some uh, articles over at uh, four for four uh as well so you know always always happy to answer any questions on twitter and uh mr seeley thank you for the invite sir
Oh, of course. Anytime. And uh, by the way, I f- leaving out the most famous end name probably of all time in the Bible is Noah. Uh, like, good job on us. Uh, I'll be back. Yeah, we, we didn't <laughs> miss that one. <laughs> just, just that guy with the boat. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I'll be back next week. I appreciate you guys listening and uh, have a good one. <laughs>